Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, uh, February Black Cinema. You know, Black Cinema is always changing. Think of the early days, you know, how I talked about the beginning of this this week. Um, You know, the silent films, um, and then... Uh, what they call the race, the race films. It's kind of like the records, you know. They would, you would have. This is before rock and roll. You would have the race records. That's what they called them, you know. Um, and then film, you know, film, film is just continuous. And my goodness, you think of all the icons out there. You know, you have Spike Lee, such a great director, controversial. A lot of people don't like him. But he's made films like Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. Oh, my God, Malcolm X, that movie. Defy Bloods, you know, He Got Game, um, Black Klansman. Spike Lee has a style all his own. I love that movie that he did, Crooklyn, which is kind of, I, I've heard a little autobiographical because he lost his mom when he was younger. And if you've ever seen Crooklyn, it's a really good movie. Um, and then you have Anton Fu- Fuqua, who you know directed um, Training Day, which won Denzel Washington the Best Actor Oscar. You know that had been eluded him many, many, many times. And these directors, you know, you got Casey Lemons. Casey Lemons, a lot of people don't remember, but Casey Lemons was in The Silence of the Lamps. If you remember Clarice's friend, when they were both in training for the FBI, that's Casey Lemons. Casey Lemons went on to direct a really great film called Eve's Bayou, which takes place in um, Louisiana. You got Jeremy... uh, Jeremy Smollett and Lynn Whitfield, who's so glamorous, and Samuel L. Jackson and Debbie Morgan, and even da- Diane Carroll. Really great cast in uh, uh, Eve's Bayou. And then Casey Lemons went on to do Harriet, about Harriet Tubman, which was such a great movie. A lot of people, you know, try, people are always trying to say, oh, well, this doesn't, because the actress that played Harriet Tubman was British. And people had a problem with that. But that's who Casey Lemons put in the movie. But these filmmakers, you know, um, uh, D. D. Rees, who did um, Mud, Mud, uh, oh my goodness, I forget the name of the movie, um, with Mary J. Blige. Mary, you know what, that's pretty, I gotta say, as someone who grew up listening to Mary J. Blige in the 90s, to have Mary, oh, she was in Mudbound. Mary J. Blige received two Oscar nominations: one for song, one for supporting actress. You know, she didn't win, but my God, what a what an amazing actress, Mary J. Blige. You know, um, D. Rees, who is a African American film director. She did Bessie. She did The Last Thing He Wanted, Empire. You know, the TV series. Um, really great director. Oh, Spike Lee was her professor and mentor. That's what I like. And a lot of people don't realize is that Spike Lee and Oliver Stone's mentor and professor was Martin Scorsese. 
So it's all interconnected, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, and then you have Gary, Gary F. Gray, who directed all those music videos and then went on to direct Friday. And then you have, of course, the late, the great um, John Singleton, who directed Boys in the Hood. John Singleton is the was the youngest Best Director nominee, the first African-American. He went on to do Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson and Tupac. You know, um, what what a great director. And then, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to celebrate during the month of February was, you know, not just one person in particular, but all of these great filmmakers who you probably don't know about who don't get the credit, you know, um, everyone is kind of interconnected. I mean, look at Spike Lee. Okay, Spike Lee's first film was She's Gotta Have It, followed by the Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, Malcolm X, Crooklyn, Clockers, 25th Hour, Inside Man, Ch-Ch-Ch-Ring, Black Klansman, and Defy Bloods. You know... Lee's work has uh, continually explored race, relations, colorism in the black community, the role of media in contemporary life, urban crime and poverty, and other political issues. And he, of course, won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for Black Klansmen. You know, and Spike Lee, when you say Spike Lee's name, some people are like, what? I, I know people who don't like him. So it's like, okay, whatever. You know, we are all entitled to our opinion. But then these are people who don't watch his films. They just see the trailer and they assume. I loved He Got Game. That was such a good movie. Summer of Sam. Oh, my God. You know, uh, Bamboozled. I remember when Bamboozled came out. That was an interesting movie. He frequently collaborates with Denzel Washington and Samuel L. Jackson. You know, what, what a great filmmaker in fact both of his children will be the golden at the golden globes the uh, you know how they have the second generation golden globe the kids of uh the, you know those celebrities but um yeah you know you look at you look at black film you look at someone like gordon parks oh my god a lot of people don't realize okay so gordon you know black exploitation in the 70s you've got shaft and then let's not forget the soundtrack done by the late Isaac Hayes, you know. Isaac Hayes had been working for a long time. Isaac Hayes had paid his dues, okay? First, you know, African American to win best score, you know, um for Shaft. But you know what's interesting is there was that song in the 60s um Walk on by, and originally Dion Warwick had done it, and then <laughs> Hot Buttered Soul, Isaac Hayes takes it and just turns it into this epic. You know, I loved Isaac Hayes. Oh my God! You know, he would take a song, and he's got that voice, and he just puts his stamp on it. You know, and that's what he did with Shaft. I mean. Everyone knows the song. I think some people know the song more than they do the movie. And so I thought, let's talk a little bit about the film directed by Gordon Parks. You know, Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks was an interesting character. 
was a photographer, a musician, a writer, and a film director. And it was Shaft that really, you know, the black exploitation era, and you've got Foxy Brown, and you've got Coffee, and you've got all of those movies coming out of there. And at the helm, though, is Gordon Parks, who directed Shaft, you know. And and even Sidney Portier, Sidney Portier, who directed films, you know, he wasn't just acting them. Them, you know, in 1967, 1967, Sidney Portier was in not one but three. Okay, in the heat of the night, guess who's coming to dinner? And to Sir with Love, he was not nominated for either of them. But to this day, people are like, why? He had one for Lilies of the Field, which was a, a light kind of comedy. First black actor ever to win in lead in 1963. Okay. And so that's why it wasn't until almost 40 years later, Denzel Washington won. And Denzel, he was funny. He makes this joke and he says, what do I do? They, they give, they gave Sydney an honorary Oscar the same night he won. He says, what do they do? They give one to Sydney and they give me one on the same night. Um, and then that was also the night that Holly Berry won you know with the Golden Globes coming out and the Screen Actors Guild I think this is Viola Davis I've always felt that Viola Davis is going to be the one to win Best Actress you know almost 20 years after Halle Berry that's too long I mean you think of okay let's let's dive in here the Best Actress you know the Best Actress also kind of has a curse in a sad way. Well, not all of them, but some of the younger actresses like get divorced right after they win it. Kate Winslet, Halle Berry, you know, Sandra Bullock. Um, it's a it's a weird, but then you have someone like, you know, Meryl Streep and um, Helen Mirren and uh, who are just kind of, and then Jennifer Lawrence, who, you know, they're, they're kind of within it. You know, there's no outer, you know, things going on. Okay, so if you look at the 2002 Oscars, Halle Berry wins. She was nominated against Judy Dench, Nicole Kidman, Sissy Spacek, Renee Zellweger. The next year, there were no black nominees. There was Sama Hayek, a Mexican nominee. And then 2003, Keisha Castle Hughes, who um, is uh, of uh, uh, Aboriginal descent. And then the next year, you have Canta Catalina Sedino Moreno. See, I'm looking at the list because, yeah, what, you know, Halle Berry, come on. 2006, you got Penelope Cruz. Okay. All right. 2008, no. 2009, Gabrielle Sidibe for Precious. I like Gabrielle Sidibe. She's made some really great choices. Um, Viola Davis, 2011 for the the help. Okay. Quavinjane Wallace for Hush Puppy. That was an interesting movie. She's the youngest and you know black actress for lead. Um. Okay, I'm looking I'm looking at the list, you know, this is always interesting to me. Okay. Mm. Okay. Ruth Nega for Mildred uh, Loving for Loving. 
and that's a true story. Oh, she was so good in that show, Preacher. Um, yeah, and so that's it. That's it. You know, um, oh, and Cynthia Erivo last year for Harriet, you know, as I said before, directed by Casey Lemons. And Harriet, you know, that Harriet Tubman's story has been, they've tried to bring it to the screen for years. And I think there was this controversy about, you know, who was going to play her. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that, you know, to bring these films to the forefront, you know, even, even Salma Hayek has talked about, you know, here she was in a Mexican-American trying to bring Frida Kahlo and all these other actresses wanted to play Frida Kahlo. And, you know, when you have a, a relationship with a film like that, and, you know, Viola Davis has won the Oscar before for Fences, but for supporting, you know, that's always kind of the problem that bothers me within the industry if you are African-American and you're an actor or Hispanic or Asian, they, they, will, they will give you the, the supporting. We won't give you the lead. You look at someone like Angela Bassett, who has never won. Um, you know, she was nominated for playing Tina Turner. Um, isn't that interesting? I mean, you know, if we, if we go on and count, okay, if we count... Let's count how many black actresses been nominated for Best Actress. Cynthia Erivo, one. Ruth Nega, two. Viola Davis, three. Okay. Halle Berry, four. Let's see. So that's four. Um, four. Let's keep going. Let's hold that number four. <laughs> Angela Bassett, five. She played Tina Turner. That's such a great performance. Oh my goodness, Angela Bassett. Hmm. Okay, four. Of course, Whoopi Goldberg, five for the color purple. We're going to talk about the color purple soon. Um, I know there's another one. Okay, so five. Uh, Diane Carroll. I know Diane Carroll was nominated for... Where is it? Claudine. So that's six. Okay. And then you have um Mag- uh, you know Cicely Tyson that's 7. Diana Ross 8 nominated in the same year for ni- in 1972 they lost to Liza Minnelli for Cabaret. So that's 7. And then Dorothy Dandridge was the first one in the early days. That's 8. So only eight black actresses have been nominated for Best Actress. Only eight. 
And that really is a problem. And the Academy is more... The Academy... Here's the thing with the Academy. I think what they've been doing is they have been changing, supposedly, allegedly... The membership, because, you know, it's just a bunch of people who are really, really old and they need, they, you know, yeah, it's, you know, no disrespect that but they need to get some new blood in there and they need to get some diversity. And I know that Oprah is a, a member of the Academy, you know, um, what a great uh, people like to make fun of Oprah and I don't. Because she's done a lot for literacy. She's done a lot to try to bring people together because of our differences. But then, you know, I love how she went with the book club. The book club was so important. And another and another icon, an African-American icon, Toni Morrison. And with the book club, you know, I love how she's like, she says, you know, you're going to give them something safe. And then you hit them, boom, with Toni Morrison. And some people have, you know, Toni Morrison's books. I've never read one, but people have told me, you know, you you really have to read it. You you have to put it down for a little bit and you got to read it. And there's a really great documentary about Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison was such an interesting individual. Whether you read her books or not, just to listen to her speak, she has very you know, kind of interesting voice when she talks and worked at Random House. You know, Toni Morrison is the one who got Angela uh, Davis published. You know, she was working with Angela Davis. Angela Davis said she would only work with Random House if Toni Morrison edited the book. All the while, Toni Morrison is writing her own books, The Bluest Eye and Song of Solomon. There's a really great documentary from 2019, The Pieces I Am about Toni Morrison, directed by Tr- Timothy Greenfield Sanders. You know, and, and I just mentioned Toni Morrison, Angela Davis, Fran Lebowitz, who's a big, is a good fan, a friend of uh, Toni's, Oprah Winfrey, Hilton Owls, Walter Mosley. You know, um, I mean, these books, you know, The Blue Sky, Sula, Song of Solomon, you know, I saw beloved that was a tough movie and the book is even tougher from what i've been told you know the movie the movie unfortunately you know bombed it bombed it was directed by jonathan demi you know silence of the lambs philadelphia mary to the mob you know really great director you got oprah winfrey you got danny glover and for some reason and it's dark. Kimberly Elise. Um, who else is in it? Ooh, I love her. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, Tandy Newton. Ooh, Tandy Newton from Westworld. Tandy Newton is such a great actress. You know, and she's in, she plays Beloved. Beloved is such a... The, I, I've only seen it once. It was very startling. But, you know, that's a testament to Toni Morrison. So they left that in. You know, a lot of... uh, We're going to talk about the the color purple in a couple of days. And I read the color purple. And 
there is lesbianism within the color purple, but it's not in the movie, okay? Because at that at that moment in time, they couldn't film that. And, you know, I say that because if, if it's common knowledge, I don't think she puts labels on herself, Alice Walker. But I know that Alice Walker has had relationships with men and women. You know, she was married. She has her daughter. And then she had a relationship. Allegedly, this is not, you know, maybe it is common knowledge. She had a relationship with Tracy Chapman, the singer. You know, give me one reason and fast car. And so there's a little bit of that in the book, The Color Purple. In the movie, there's a tad bit of it in the movie between Suge Avery and Miss Seeley. Okay. But The Color Purple, that's such a moment. And, you know, Whoopi was nominated for for Best Actress. She, you know, it, there hadn't been a nomination for Best Actress who was black since Diane Carroll for Claudine. You know, Diane Carroll was such a such a glamorous actress. If if you remember, I grew up in the 80s. If you remember Dynasty, okay, and there was only, you know, there yes, there was Crystal Carrington. You know, and there was Alexis, but only one person could really match the wits of Alexis, and that was that was Diane Carroll's character. She they they would always slap each other, the shoulder pads. You know what I mean? We're we're getting a little campy here, but you know that that's and Diane Carroll was also she also had that show where she was the nurse. You know, it it you think of Hollywood? Hollywood really. I mean, yeah, they gave um, Hattie McDaniel the Oscar, but, you know, in a supporting. Just think, just think of in a, and uh, yeah, this is not a perfect world. Just think in a perfect world, if Hattie McDaniel got the Best Actress Oscar, beating out, you know, um, Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee wouldn't cry. Vivian Lee's like, psh. I mean, Lee was going to do, you know, Streetcar Named Desire. That is such a disturbing role. Oh, my God. You know, um, but see, here's the beauty of that. And I can see Viola Davis doing something like that. That is the power of Viola Davis. Oh, my God. I I have to watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom again. I watched it and I was kind of like, what? Because I wanted more. I wanted more. But from what I've read, August Wilson, he gives it to you and then snatches it. He takes it away. This is all you're going to get for this time being. Okay. Um, but I, I, there's a really great scene in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom where she wants that. She will not perform unless she has that Coke. She says, I want that Coca-Cola. She will not perform unless she has that Coca-Cola. Okay. And that's the power. That's the testament to Miss Viola Davis, who, for my money, is going to win the Oscar for Best Actress. She deserves it. Um, you know, the the Academy is a weird kind of brand. It is a brand. Um, if it were left up, okay. If it were left up to those of us who watch the movies, okay. A field of nominees. There would not be five. There would be at least eight. Remember how the Grammys, they expanded the categories? The Oscars are not going to do that. The only time they did that was with Best Picture. 
because in the 1930s, you know, they had more and then they shortened it to five years later. Um, I would love to see them do that with the acting categories. Also, the stunts, you know, the stunt people really need something. That's the thing with the Academy. A lot of people don't realize, you know, and yeah, this is the nerd in me. When you watch the Oscars, okay, and you moan and groan that they're giving out technical awards, you do realize that that's how they make a movie. So without those people, you don't have a movie, you know, cinematography, uh, costume design, production design, you know, and Black Panther, Black Panther deserved those Oscars that it was nominated for. It was nominated for Best Picture. It was not nominated for Best Director. And that really bothered me. Um, you know, because Ryan Coogler is just an amazing director. And Black Panther was a game changer. It truly, truly was. Uh, you could you could feel it in, in the firmament. Um, and that's why Chadwick Boseman's death was... That really hit hard. And, you know, what's beautiful about his performances is that we all could applaud. We all could. I mean, that was an amazing, amazing character that he, you know, oh, my goodness. The humility of Chadwick Boseman playing T'Challa, Black Panther, you know, and oh, my God, the cast, the cast of Black Panther you got Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Danny Agria, Martin Freeman, Na- Daniel Kalua, uh, Latia Wright, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis, directed by Ryan Coogler, um, music by Ludwig Grossan, um, cinematography by Rachel Morrison. I, I think she was nominated for it. You know, and that's the beauty of the ever-changing landscape of black cinema is that now the doors are wide open and black panther really did a lot and whether you like it or not i you know what bothered me was people thought it was about the black panthers and they wouldn't go see it and i said excuse me and also what's wrong with the black panthers you know the black panthers were policing their area for a reason it's because of the police were coming in there and, you know, drugs and racism and brutality. So I stand by with the Black Panthers. You know, yeah, eventually things got out of hand. But, you know, they had they had the breakfast program. They, they took care of kids. And rather than always looking at the negative, let's look at what the positives of what the Black Panthers did to unite everybody. That was their goal. You had black people, you had white people, you had Chinese people, you had Hispanic people, you had men and women, women who were in power within the Black Panther Party. Okay. But I I say that because people, you know, whatever, whatever. Hmm. Black Panther, what a great movie. Academy Awards nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, Kendrick Lamar, Best Costume Design, Ruthie E. Carter, she won, Best Production Design, Hannah Beachler, Jay Hart, Sec Sec Decoration, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, yeah, it was a great moment, it was a great moment, and so Black Cinema, 
you know, and Ryan Coogler had done, um, he had directed, uh, you know, Creed and then Creed 2, which got, um, Sylvester Stallone nominated, but not Michael B. Jordan. Creed is such an amazing film, you know, um, and Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler is such an amazing filmmaker. He's from Oakland, California, not too far from me, you know, uh, yeah. <coughs> what an amazing, um, filmmaker. And I, and I always look forward to what he's going to do next. You know, he did Fruitvale Station, Creed, Black Panther, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Judas and the Black Messiah, Black Panther 2, mm. Judas and the Black Messiah, which is out now. Okay, directed by Shaka King. He produced it, Ryan Coogler. Yeah. That is getting some interesting buzz. And so, we'll see what happens. So, this is just a rundown. You know, the industry. The industry itself needs to change. We're all aware of that. You know, when Frances McDormand won her Oscar. Frances McDormand said something very interesting and a lot of people it, they got pissed off by it but she said it and I'm, I love that she said it she says I want to leave you with two words inclusion writer and the the true intent of making films and including everybody everybody and that's what it's about is to include everybody okay everybody within the sandbox of film we were all playing together you know um whenever i look at the way film is today and you kind of wish someone like dorothy dandridge was still here to see all of this or diane carroll diane carroll is so amazing lena horn lena horn it always bothers me that she didn't get the recognition that she deserved you know um you know how they were giving out honorary Oscars? I would have given her an honorary Oscar. Lena Horne changed the landscape of film, as did Hattie McDaniel. You know, and at the beginning of this week, I, I played that. I played the clip of, you know, the um, he's an author of black film. And he talked about how Lena Horne went to Hattie McDaniel's house. You know, and um, Donald Boogle, uh, B- Donald uh, Boogle, Bogle, Donald Boogle, Bogle, sorry. And you know how people in Hollywood were scared of Lena because she, you know, she was not going to play the maid. She was, her father told L.B. Mayer that and was stunned that uh, a man would talk to L.B. Mayer like that. And. You know, Lena Horne went to Haddon McDaniel and Haddon McDaniel said, look, I, I I support you. The changes that you want to make within Hollywood, I support you. But she said, just know that in my home, I'm Haddon McDaniel. And yeah, I play maid. And Haddon McDaniel knew, knew who she was. And the sad thing is, you know... There's, I, I mean, there's controversy behind that Oscar win. There's rumors that her Oscar, you can't find it anymore. 
someone got a hold of it and threw it away maybe i mean this is this is hearsay this is hearsay you know um so last year when all of this controversy of gone with the wind was coming about and hey i understand there i i stand with them to pull it to pull it and then kind of back up and say look let's put a disclaimer on this i'm all for that a lot of people weren't i was all for it but people took it the wrong way and so what about hattie mcdaniel yeah because you know let's not take it away from hattie mcdaniel's performance and hattie mcdaniel had been around for a long time she'd been in film she'd been in radio she has two stars on the walk of fame one for um, film and the one for radio but a lot of people didn't know that, you know. Um, and Hattie McDaniel was a true trailblazer, you know. And there was one film where uh, the gentleman was trying to be racist toward her and she turned it around on him. And the filmmaker let her do that, you know, because she had power. You know, the other thing, though, is if you watch the making of Gone with the Wind, okay, there's there is... There is a difference. Okay, so you have Hattie McDaniel and then you have Butterfly McQueen. Okay. And Butterfly McQueen hated the movie. She hated being in the movie. I think because also they had, you know, Scarlett had to slap her. And they slapped her several times. And I can understand that she hated that. There was also a scene she said that they were going to do having her, her eat watermelon, which is in the book. And she refused to shoot that scene. So I give I give credit right there. Let's give our hats off to Butterfly McQueen. But she said, you know, she hated the movie then and she hated it now. Up to the day she died, Butterfly McQueen hated Gone with the Wind. She hated playing Prissy. And it was Hattie McDaniel who kind of put her in her place and said, you're not coming back to Hollywood. You complain too much. Now, see, there's the contrast of Butterfly McQueen and Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel famously said, I would rather make $750 a week playing a maid than being one for $7. Or was it less? But, you know, she she had a point. She had a point. And so there's that, you know. Um, and so what, you know, with Lena Horne coming in and people getting scared that she's going to change everything but going to Hattie you know she's going to Hattie McDaniel like Hattie McDaniel is Star Wars and she's Master Yoda okay you're going to go to the Master Jedi and Hattie McDaniel is the Master Jedi okay you know in Gone with the Wind she held her own okay let's not forget that you know Scarlet, Scarlet's parents really didn't tell her what to do. You know who told Scarlet what to do and put her in her place? Hattie McDaniel's character, Mammy. She put her in her place. Um, there's that really great scheme <laughs> where she's trying, you know, the um, corset. And she's like, 23 inches. Or no, or 20, 20 something inches. And she's like, oh, Mammy, I wish it would be this. And she's like, oh, Miss Scarlet, you just had a baby. You ain't never going to be something inches again. Yeah. <laughs> she would put her in her place. Um, mm, you know, that would be my... If we could go back in time and Hattie McDaniel could get these lead performances, like in Mildred. I could see Hattie McDaniel doing Mildred Pierce. I'm not... She's Butterfly McQueen's in Mildred Pierce. A lot of you don't know that. But... <laughs> 
you know oh my goodness what a what an interesting what an interesting character and um you know mm. this this is a crazy 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 time for film but you know what this got to we got to keep going and um Hmm. It's a it's a moment, and um, yeah, Hannah McDaniel died in 1952 of breast cancer, and uh, but leaves a lasting legacy that we can't forget. We can't forget what. Hattie McDaniel achieved and it's pretty amazing you know so every everyone everyone out there just know that you know always remember whose shoulders you stand upon okay because you stand upon the shoulders of giants and um and you've got the Nicholas brothers in there too all these great filmmakers who started out in the silent films black filmmakers, black actresses, black actors, black supporting players, you know, making race films that only the African-American community would watch. And I wish that if we could go back in time and everyone could watch them. And then film history would look really different. You know, because, yeah, we we love film history. But then you go back and you're like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. You look at Lena Horne. Lena Horne didn't get the f- parts that she truly deserved. Think of think of the things that Lena Horne could have done at American in Paris. Lena Horne could have done, you know, um, uh, Sabrina or uh, uh, Two Women, and that's the beauty of it. But you know, they don't. They wouldn't consider her mainly because she was black. You know, and Lena Horne's story, which we talked about recently, is a very interesting story, an intense story. Because within herself, you know, she was black and she was white and she was biracial. And so, you know, even Eartha Kitt, Eartha Kitt, Eartha Kitt was such a, oh my God, talk about an icon, a glamorous icon too. Oh my goodness. Catwoman, let's go. Eartha Kitt was good friends with James Dean. She loved James Dean. She called him Jamie. And she has said that she knew that Carr was going to kill him. And James Dean would say, oh, Kit, you're on one of your voodoo trips. Yeah. There's a really great quote that I was watching a documentary once and they were talking to Eartha Kitt. Because, you know, she had been ostracized and kicked out. Wasn't allowed in the White House because I guess... She made a comment about Vietnam to Lady Bird Johnson. Lady Bird Johnson said, get rid of her. And it wasn't until, you know, the Jimmy Carter era that Eartha Kitt was allowed back in the White House. I love Eartha Kitt. And um, she says, you know, in terms of, you know, her heritage, she says, you know, 
that she was black and she was white and she called herself a yellow gal. And she says, and the blacks don't want you and the whites don't want you. And she's like, and I did it. And she did it. And, you know, what an icon. And that's what we have to celebrate. Don't forget that. Don't forget people like Eartha Kitt, Diane Carroll, um, Dorothy Dandridge, you know, um, Ethel Waters, oh, Ethel Waters and Cabin in the Sky with Lena Horne, you know, uh, my God. Oh, God. And then, uh, you know, uh, mm, Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte was in Carmen Jones with Dorothy Dandridge. That's what she was nominated for. It was an opera. Carmen, you know. <sighs> yeah. Sidney Poitier, Paul Robeson. The, the, you know, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, a lot of people don't remember, but he's in Dr. Strangelove. Went on to do The Great White Hope, you know, and of course, the voice of Darth Vader. What an icon, you know. I loved him in uh, Field of Dreams, you know. That's such a great performance. And it's moments like that. He wasn't nominated. And I would have nominated him. You know, I'm not a member of the Academy, but. And I know some people are like, well, it doesn't matter. But, you know, within film, within the film era okay it does matter it does matter because you think of all of the actors who have won okay and Whoopi Goldberg really made a really great statement when she hosted the Oscars for the last time in the 20th century before the 2000s she loved that they were going to end it with her because she said look at the hosts white guy white guy white girl white girl white guy black girl black white guy White guy, black girl. And she meant herself. You know, and I love that statement. I love Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, you know, because she's on The View, I think that creates controversy. And I love that she she doesn't back down from it. What a, what an EGOT. And an EGOT, she's got the Oscar, the Tony, the Grammy, the Emmy, you know. I love Whoopi Goldberg. I really do. And we're going to talk about the color purple I mean ghost those are the only times she's ever been nominated wasn't nominated for other films you know um, recently we talked about Cinderella with Whitney Houston and Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg is in there you know that was that was all Whitney and Deborah Chase the producing partner team they picked Whoopi and Whoopi played the queen and Whoopi loved it Whoopi loved Whitney uh, a year later, she gave uh, Whitney a Soul Train uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, which was so fitting and deserving for Whitney. And and Whitney called Whoopi her queen, you know. And um, that's beautiful. That you, when Whitney was alive, we were able to give her that love, you know. <sighs> Here we are, Black Black History Month, you know. And I'm going to end tonight talking about an artist that we're going to talk about, whom I love, 
And that's Mr. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, who could play the voice of God. You know, you've got James Earl Jones, who's the voice of Darth Vader and the voice of CNN. And then you have Mr. Morgan Freeman. Mr. Morgan Freeman, who does such great voiceovers. What an amazing actor. Um, Driving Miss Daisy, you know, um, he did so many different movies nominated one for million dollar baby for supporting that he said that uh, he liked that he won but that bothered him he's like supporting i i love how he thinks but for me the most memorable role of morgan freeman's career is of course shawshank redemption there are so many beautiful moments tough moments in shawshank redemption and it's between morgan freeman and Tim Robbins. This movie is probably one of the greatest movies ever ever done. You know, fight me on that. Um, but oh my god, you know, um, and and the and the the message of it of Shawshank. Here we go. place on the Pacific Ocean. You know what the Mexicans say about the Pacific? No. They say it has no memory. That's where I want to live the rest of my life. A warm place with no memory. Open up a little hotel right on the beach. Buy some worthless old boat and Fix it up new. Take my guests out. Charter fishing. Say what to nail. In a place like that, I could use a man that knows how to get things. I don't think I could make it on the outside, Andy. been in here most of my life. I'm an institutional man now. It's like Brooks was. Well, you underestimate yourself. I don't think so. In here, I'm the guy who can get things for you, sure, but outside, all you need is the yellow pages. Hell, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Pacific Ocean? Shit. About scare me to death something that big. Not me. I didn't shoot my wife and I didn't shoot her lover. Whatever mistakes I made, I paid for them and then some. That hotel, that boat. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. This is just shitty pipe dreams. I mean, Mexico is way to hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah, right. That's the way it is. It's down there, and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. 
And of course, that is Shawshank Redemption, directed by... Who directed the Shawshank Redemption? Let me ask Siri. Siri, who directed the Shawshank Redemption? Frank Darabout. And that's the beautiful scene between Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. As always, unpleasant dreams. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We're going to talk about a man tonight who appeared in film. He was a musician who died last year, an icon, a rebel. He, some would call him the, the architect of rock and roll. I call him one of the kings. You know, yeah, you got Elvis, but this man was before Elvis. This man, he just wop, bop, loop, bop, bop, bam, boom. Got it right there, two to three day. I know from personal experience because my parents saw him. He was in Northern California at a Native American casino called Jackson Rancheria. They said he was really small. And he got on that piano, them 12 bar blues. I mean, come on. Lucille. Yeah. I won't sing it because I don't want to come after me. <sighs> Little Richard. Little Richard appeared in films, you know, in the 80s and the 60s. And he's the architect of rock and roll, but I call him one of the kings. Because, yeah, you can call him the architect. I love how he's like, Ribbon and Blues had a baby and they named it rock and roll. Don't, don't nobody give it to me. Shut up. And when he would say shut up, you know, Little Richard created the rock and roll vocal I mean yeah you know okay Elvis you know and and I'll give it to Elvis you know he was a crooner singing all romantic and then you know jailhouse rocks but little Richard little Richard brought the authenticity and the fire in that vocal delivery in fact the late Lemmy Kilmeister of Motorhead has said that little Richard is the best rock and roll singer ever It was Little Richard. Little Richard kicked it into high swing with that vocal. And then, you know, you had Pat Boone, who basically came in to white bread it up. And I know people who like Pat Boone. It's like, why? He took those songs that Little Richard made. And, yeah. It's... It's sad. It's sad. You know, his daughter tried to light up your lives, but come on. (sighs) It's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We're going to talk about later on the film that Little Richard starred in in the 1980s. In fact, I think he starred in a whole bunch of other films. You know, um, he was in a really funny film in the 90s. Why Do Fools Fall in Love? uh, With Vivica Fox and... Halle Berry, you know, uh, about Frankie Lyman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo! Yeah. I had to do that. I love Little Richard. Come on. Come on. When one of the kings of rock and roll 
dies, that's a big deal. And he was Sagittarius. So sometimes when they're Sagittarius, ooh, Jupiter's in the house. I'm a Sagittarius. So I can understand that fire, that ferocity that is a little Richard, just like Tom Waits. Sagittarius, Keith Richards, Keith Richards. Woo, come on, baby. Um, But little Richard, nobody could do it like little Richard. The Beatles revered little Richard. Little Richard basically was around the Beatles with Brian Epstein, their manager, and Jimi Hendrix, and the Rolling Stones, okay? So this was the 60s. You know, the British invasion basically happened because of something that happened this week. And that was the day music died, part one, because there's several parts of the day that music died. When little uh, Richie Valens, the big bopper, and Buddy Holly, you know that Weezer song? Oh yeah, he does look like Buddy Holly. Uh Uh-oh. And they were all killed in a plane crash. Then Elvis went to the army and little Richard went to church. Okay? Jerry Lewis got in a whole lot of trouble because it was great balls of fire. And the door was wide open for the British to come in. The British had already tackled the American blues. You know, America threw away the blues. You know, they threw away this beautiful Americana, American music. They threw it away for Pat Boone, rock and roll. And here was, you know, Eric Clapton and The Who and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles these white musicians from England getting getting dug up into the blues. The Mississippi Delta. Come on. Let's go. Wolfman Jack knows. Come on. You know, um, if I ever... I, I do make films. Small films. If I was to ever make a film, okay? I would make it about Wolfman Jack. And I'm going to give him a shout out tonight because I'm a member of the LNC 666. I'll give that role to George Thrombolopoulos. I'd say, George, you're going to play Wolfman Jack, but you can add whatever you want to it, whatever you feel within your psyche can deliver, okay? And so, I mean, and then we'd have to find someone to play Little Richard, you know? I, I love Little Richard. The way he tells the story of rock and roll, he's like, rhythm and blues, had a baby, and they named it Rock and Roll. You know, <laughs> there's that pivotal moment, or is that the, the Grammys with Pointer Poindexter, who was originally from the New York Dolls? Hello, and he says the Grammy goes to me. Don't nobody never give me no Grammy. I never win no Grammy, and I'm the architect of rock and roll, and I've been doing this for years. He was telling the truth. That was the beauty of Little Richard. He didn't like to sugarcoat it. He would just come out and say it. And that is part of the ethos of rock and roll. And so in a moment or two, we're going to talk about the films that in a way helped jumpstart his career back in the 1980s. Okay? And an institution that is somewhat controversial for its exclusion of certain people. And that's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Mr. Little Richard was part of the first class of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the induction, along with Aretha, Elvis, you know, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting institution to be a part of, I know Buddy Holly was a part of it, you know, hey, it's about the blues, at the end of the day, it's about that 12-bar blues, and Little Richard knew how to play it on his piano, I can't play piano, but that's my best impression of one, you know, and this is a film podcast, but I'm also talking about these amazing black icons, little Richard, come on, come on, and you know what? That's a major case of racism right there to have Pat Boone singing singing his records. Okay? And Little Richard has said this because they didn't want to... He said they didn't want to make him the king of rock and roll because he was a black man. And they didn't want their children fanning over a black man as king of rock and roll. All that makeup and talking about Lucille. Come on. I love that song. (laughs) Just those lyrics alone. Now you, yeah, they sounded innocent at the time, but he's like, Lucille, why don't, you, why don't you do your sister's will? Come on. You know what he's talking about right there. Rocking and rolling all night long. Come on. Let's get real. Yeah. And so I'm going to go on a break. I'm not breaking right now, though. But And we're going to talk about the films that Little Richard appeared in. The Godfather of Rock and Roll. The King. Oh.